I just want to make parenting a little bit easier. And I feel like for me as a pediatrician, I know what to do for a sick baby in the middle of the night. And I just want every mom or parent to feel like they know also that they can feel empowered with the knowledge that they have or that they learn to take care of their kids and feel confident caring for their kids when they're sick. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we have the episode that we know so many parents need. Our guest is Dr. Anjulie Gans, who's a board-certified pediatrician and educator that runs the platform Resilient Rascals. She is diving into all things kid sickness and how we as parents can deal with our kiddos being sick. I loved that she was realistic. So when we asked her, when does a kid absolutely need to stay home from daycare or school? She gave an answer that wasn't up in the stars. Like it was a very realistic answer. The whole interview made me feel better about the idea of trudging through this sick season. And Amy and I are in this with you guys. Like our kids have been sick. We have been sick ourselves. We get that. I mean, it is hard right now out there. And what's so nice is that she not only gives information on how we can prevent some of these sicknesses, but also how we can start to build up some of our kiddos' immune systems. And then if they're already sick right now, she gives some really easy tips that we can do. I mean, I learned a whole lot just from talking with her for these next 30 or 40 minutes. And we are so excited for you guys to learn the information as well. So with that, let's get started. One thing that I am wondering off the bat is how did your approach to being a pediatrician change once you became a mom yourself? So I've been a pediatrician now for, gosh, almost over a decade. And I feel like when I started out, I learned everything I could. Like I was like, I know every guideline. I know exactly what to tell parents. And I would learn from other parents who I worked with or who I knew But then I became a mom and I was like, wait a minute, there's health and then there's the care of your baby, right? How do you actually get your toddler to take medicine if they need to? Or how do you actually like take a rectal temperature? Or what do kids who are really sick actually look like in the middle of the night? And I feel like my compassion for other parents going through it just grew exponentially because I think... It's one thing to know what to do, but it's another to feel it and go through it and learn all of the things on the fly, like the care tips that you go through as a mom. So what I've tried to do now in practice and here on Resilient Rascals is to kind of blend the health guidelines with all of those tips and care tips that come from everywhere, come from being a mom, come from, you know, work experience, come from communities of women who are like, this is what worked for me and this can help you maybe, or you could try to do this. So I've tried to do that a little bit more, but it's just compounded my compassion and also my understanding of how much goes into caring for your kids when they're sick or when they're challenged or when they're struggling or when they are, you know, just developing in any way, really. 
And it's so helpful having a pediatrician who is also a parent because you get both sides of it, right? You understand both sides of it. You're not just looking at it from the pediatrician standpoint, but being able to see, okay, there's other factors at play here. And both Amy and I, as well as so many listeners, have kids go to daycare or some kind of childcare facility outside of the home. And I mean, our kids have been at these daycares since they were teeny tiny babies. And we have been through the mornings after mornings of the runny nose or the cough and looking at our partner and saying, okay, do we take them? Do we not take them? You know, what's this day going to look like? So as a professional in this field, what's your opinion? Give us your thoughts on when we should send them and when we should keep them home. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And like I said, you know, now I'm a mom too, and I do the same thing. My Mm -hmm. kids hadn't been in school. So this is their first year in school. So they are kind of like new to that world of exposure. So I feel you. I totally understand that decision-making can become so fatiguing almost, you know, like, cause you're every day trying to be like, do we do it? Do we not? So I would say the truthfully, most kids who are sick with a runny nose or a cough are probably still going to school and it's probably fine. You know, like if your child has a fever, you probably shouldn't send them if you're able to not send them because a fever means that you are actively fighting something off. And so I do think that's probably one hard stop of if you're able to find coverage, it's better to keep them at home, not just for other people, but also because it means that they're in the active part of their illness. So they probably need to rest a lot more than if they're at the tail end of their illness getting better. And same thing like in the early days of a cough, right? So most viral coughs can last almost seven to 10 days. It's a long time. You're not probably going to keep your child home for 12 days just until they absolutely sound perfect. But in those first early days with a cough, as much as you're able to let them rest and to recover and to do all the steam and all the stuff at home is good. And then when they kind of trickle down to maybe their cough's a little more intermittent, it's not all the time, or their runny nose is just a runny nose and that's it, that's probably fine. I mean, that's very much just regular people out in the world communicating. That's not like imposing acute illness on someone else. Does that make sense? Oh, that answer makes so much sense and makes me feel so much better as a pediatrician saying that being like, okay, I'm not the bad mom. If my kid has this tiny little cough that's on day five and we've been doing the things at home. But what about as a mom? Are there any other things that you consider or add to the equation of, you know, bringing them someplace where they might be a little bit sick versus keeping them home? Well, I feel like when you're a mom, you have a really good sense of your kids and what they're energy needs are like on any given day. So I would say for some kids, they really need to rest when they're sick. And you can tell because they're exhausted. They're like laying on the ground. You know, they can't get out of bed. Those are times when I think keep them home and let them rest because they're telling you what they need. And then there are kids who, you know, maybe they have like a high fever and a cough, but they feel totally great. So you could take them on a walk. That would be perfectly fine. If there's someone who needs a lot of physical energy to get out, if they need fresh air, if you need fresh air, you know, those are things that I think about. My older son needs an incredible amount of physical stimulation every day. Like he likes to be outdoors in the fresh air. So if he has a cough or cold, he can still go outside. That's what he needs. That helps him re-energize. That's totally what works for him. So that's kind of what I consider. Whereas my younger son is just like wants to sit on the bed and just cuddle. And like, that's what he wants to do when he's sick, even if it's like not 
as big of a deal, <laughs> like he just kind of wants to do that. So I would say to kind of like look at your kids and see what they need. If they feel like they need to do something normal, go out, that's fine too. And, you know, like play dates and parties and stuff like that. I think as long as you feel they're not in that first couple of days of acute illness, I think using your best judgment and just having them take their best precautions is the best thing you can do. Yeah, I think it gets a little sticky when you are around other people. So what I have done after a couple, believe me, I didn't get this perfect right at first. But what I've realized is especially those friends where their kids don't go to daycare over communicating. I'll literally give my nurse a SPAR report. But for you guys, it's really easy. You just say, Abby, Trey had a fever on Monday. He's had no fever since you know, and you just describe what's going on because everyone has different comfort levels. And what I don't want to happen is to put other people in a situation where my kids are daycare kids. So I'm pretty much comfortable with everything. And I know other people aren't. So like, just to give people heads up, just be honest, tell them what's going on. And then I like it because you're kind of putting the ball in their core and saying, totally fine. If you guys want to reschedule, I just wanted to let you know. That's a really good way to approach it. I think it also gives people a lot of information, which is always really nice when you're in a group setting, I think as a parent and you're kind of like, oh, look, they really have a cough. I have to figure out, is that like something I have to deal with? So that's a really good point, Amy. That's like something. Well, when people come over and their kids coughing up a storm, I'm like, Okay. <laughs> this is we're not trying to go right into the fire here. Like it would have been nice to have a little heads up, I think, as adults, if we're really honest with ourselves, because of the past couple of years, we have the fear of missing out. And so when our kid is sick and we have to miss out, it really does sting and it sucks and it's not fun. But just being aware that other people might have different types of limits, I think is really smart. Yeah. It's a really good way to approach, I think, group settings in general. Okay. So now we're going to talk about, so Abby and I are both working moms who are partnered with working dads. And I think that there is another level of stress when it comes to how do we approach this as a couple? You know, Abby and I are in these positions where we have a little bit more quote unquote flexibility. But what I've said before is, but that doesn't mean I can always be flexible and that my partner gets to have this life where he doesn't ever have to call in sick. Of course, over the years, Drew and I have really developed a strategy so that it doesn't fall on one or the other, but we're really sharing a load. Now you're a pediatrician that's working in a hospital. I'm sure it's very hard to miss work for you. I'm wondering how do you and your partner sort out when one of your kids has to stay home? It's a great question. You all are a couple goals for me because I feel like I am still always, we both as a couple are always kind of learning how to communicate better and how to adapt to changing needs in both of our work. So, you know, you're right. I'm a pediatrician. I work in a clinic. I've been doing that for the last three years. The world actually didn't change very much for our day to day because I still went into work every single day. Whereas my husband went from traveling every single week to being at home 
all the time, right? And so he now has a new job where he basically travels some weeks and then other weeks is home. And so his schedule is much less dependable than mine, if that makes sense. So because he's home when the weeks that he's home, you know, he's able to do a lot more with the kids. So if they had to stay home, if they have a day off from school, he really takes that on. And we live really close to my parents, which I know not everyone has, but they're able to pitch in. They're not like a primary caregiver for us anymore. They used to be. So they kind of work with him a little bit more to figure out what he needs. And he's working on communicating with them to see what he needs and how they can be helpful or not helpful at different times. So we just are constantly communicating, I would say. Like every week looks a little different for us, which is kind of hard. If he's away for a week, you know, I call out. If he's home for a week, that's kind of his week to take the more responsibility should they need it. But I don't know. It's all very dynamic in our family, I would say. Like there are times when I say, you know, I'm still at work, but I don't know. Sometimes I think when you're in the medical field or people feel like, oh gosh, well, you actually know what to do. So maybe you should take care of them at night because you kind of know what to look for. And like you can sit up all night because you're used to not sleeping that much and other people don't. So we're always trying to just communicate. And I'm trying to get better about saying, you know, I might know more about these certain things, but that doesn't mean we can't all pitch in and learn the same things and do the same things. It's always a work in progress in our family. And I think just like you said, Amy, about the other things, over-communicating, I think, has helped us a lot more. And really being deliberate about knowing our schedule like a couple weeks ahead of time so that I can say, well, maybe if on the first day of a cough, maybe day three or four, I can try to move my patients around if I need to. And you can take the early days or you know, this is a week where my husband won't be around. So I'm going to have to kind of pull a little more weight or he's home and I'm on call. We kind of just do it a little bit on the fly, but we try to be really deliberate about our schedule and about communicating like as far ahead of time as we can. Yeah. That communication helps a ton. And also with a sick kiddo, they don't need a lot. They need someone to snuggle with them, maybe to provide some medicine. And we'll go into some more tips at the end of this episode. But even if you have all of the background in the medical space, you can either teach your partner ahead of time or, I mean, just snuggling can really be a big help for a kiddo who's in certain stages of sickness. Yeah, And between Amy and I, I mean, we have six kids between the two of us. So it feels like someone is always sick. And we also have kids that are, you know, two years apart. So it seemed for a while there that one of the older kids would get sick at school or at daycare. And then we'd be so afraid of bringing it home to the baby. And, you know, this tiny little baby is at home. Immune system isn't as developed and just like worrying about the tiniest one in our family. So as a pediatrician, let us know, like, what are some of the best practices on how to keep the baby from getting sick when the older kiddos might be the ones bringing home the sicknesses? I'm so glad you brought that up because this is something that I get asked about like almost every weekend I do kind of a weekend question box. And I want to say two things about it. One is that I think that over the last few years, especially there's been so much health anxiety for parents in general. And I think even more than you already have with anxiety about having a newborn and maybe a toddler or an older child at home. And so when I see a lot of things out there which say or 
I don't know, sort of professionals who say like, oh, well, keep your newborn and your toddler apart. And maybe one of you isolate in a different room. I just think that is so unhelpful to like most regular families, right? It's really hard to honestly isolate a newborn from an active, chaotic family with other siblings that I understand where it comes from, but I also think it's important to be realistic with your guidance. So what I would say in my guidance is to know that sometimes with toddlers and newborns, newborns catch what the toddler has and that's okay. Like it's scary. You know that their immune system is not as developed, but there are a lot of things to do to help them too. I just want to take that off the table because I think there's so much stress already in that situation that I just don't want people to feel guilty if their newborn gets sick, like they didn't do enough or they didn't do the right things or they didn't isolate when they should have. And that said, there are like really simple, practical things you can do. So I think when you have a newborn at home and older kids, and let's say your older child comes home and has a cold, you know, I think the biggest thing is to just kind of limit the way they touch the baby. So maybe they don't give them kisses. Maybe they find one special spot on the baby, like the bottom of their foot, and that's their spot. And they can kiss them all the places they want on the foot. And that's their special spot, but nowhere else. Or if you are taking care of the sick toddler, maybe you wash your face and hands real quick before you turn back to the baby. Or if you know everyone is sick in the household, you just all do your best. You wash your hands. Maybe you don't give your newborn like as many face-to-face cuddles or like kisses. If you have a cold or runny nose, all of those little things to just limit their direct respiratory exposure can really help a lot. And then I think you just do your best. I really do because I just think it's so hard to isolate with a newborn. If you don't have a partner, if you're like taking care of the whole family at home, like lots of different things. So I would say those are a couple of things you could do. And then some things we do in my family that I found really, really help are when people come home from school or daycare, wherever they are, just quick change their clothes, get all those outside germs off. You could just have them quick wash their hands at the door. If you could get them to like wash their face real quick, or just maybe their face and nose, just quick do a wipe to their face and nose. That actually can do a lot to just reduce the germ burden from outside so that when they come inside, they're kind of in a different space. They don't have all of those kind of outside germs on them. So that's something we do at home. Like every day when we get home, we kind of just right at the door, do that. And it's actually helps a lot. I really appreciated that answer because I felt like it took the burden off of these parents that feel like they can prevent everything. What we've learned over the past years is we just can't always prevent someone from getting exposed, no matter if you're, you know, the all star. We can't always prevent it. And so to take that off your shoulders, even if you did everything perfectly, it still might happen. I accidentally made out and made love with Drew when he had COVID. I had no idea he had COVID and I didn't even get it. You just don't know. A quick break from our partner, Homer. So as you guys know by now, one of our favorite educational apps to use with our kids is Homer. It is teacher approved. When we asked the community, what is the best app for reading and writing? It was Homer that came in time and time again. So what we want you guys to do is go to the link in our show notes 
With that link, you're going to get your first 45 days free to try it. Now, if your kids happen to be sick and they happen to be at home, it is an app that is based on your child's age, but also their own ability level. So it's going to keep them interested and it's going to keep them learning. Again, head to the link in our show notes and that will give you 45 days free to try it. And now back to our show. One thing that we had to ask about is this idea that when Abby and I were just on a walk, I told her, I'm excited for this interview because I specifically remember this moment in time in my motherhood where we were going through the toughest stretch of sickness. We had, I think, two at the time. They just kept getting sick. Trey was a baby. He was sick all the time. He was a November birthday. And there was this time where I thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can keep sending these kids to daycare. I don't have any sick days left. I literally owe the hospital sick time. Do we need to make a change? Do we need a nanny? What is happening here? And Drew and I stuck it out. So we did continue to go to daycare. It was a very hard time for us. People always ask me, does it get better? Is it worth it? Would you stick it out? And so we're wondering, do kids really grow their immune system to be stronger as they keep getting older if they're in something like daycare? And I think people are hoping that the silver lining is when they go into grade school, they might not get as sick as other people. Have you seen that in your practice? So I love this question because I feel like there's such a guilt, you know, when you like have to send your kids anywhere and you feel like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, it seems it makes sense for my family, but it's also causing a lot of other unintended consequences. So it's a really good question. So what I would say is that immunity is a really delicate combination of exposures. So exposure, like you see at daycare, right? Your genetics, like some kids just don't get as sick as other kids nutrition, rest, you know, all the other stuff that we talk about in terms of wellness. And so taking all those other things out of it, like if you just looked at kind of exposures, yes, some kids who are in daycare, they've had multiple, multiple, multiple exposures over their first couple of years. So their immunity naturally grows because of that. But that doesn't mean that other kids who stay home, like are doomed when they go to kindergarten. Like, I think that there's this kind of alternate thought of, oh, well, if I keep them at home, are they going to not get good immunity or have a strong immune system? And then they'll go to kindergarten and they'll be really in trouble. So it's not that those kids don't get sick, but exposure does help. It's like building blocks, right? To your immune system. So I would say take heart because I do think kids who are in childcare settings, they do end up being exposed to so much more that their bodies are able to handle it and their families get better at handling it. Truthfully, a lot of it is like their families know how to manage illnesses in a different way. They learn how to care for their kids. They learn that you know, their family can adapt in different ways. So yes and no, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And I was just going to comment quick, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they have family caretakers and their kids were sick too. So Mm -hmm. I think we get this idea in our head. Oh, we have daycare kids. They're always going to get sick. It's like my nieces had a good amount of sickness as well because they're still getting exposures. You know, they have parents that work outside the house 
they went to a music group, like whatever it was, exposure is everywhere. You know, I think that's exactly right. And I would say like my first son, you know, when he was born, I was working in DC. I worked 80 hours a week and he probably got exposed to more illness than anyone. And he didn't go anywhere. Like he literally just sat with my mother at home and didn't do anything, but he got more illnesses. I'm sure than he would have, if he had actually gone to somewhere else that had less exposure. So I think that's a really good point. And I also think what you said before, Amy was so true, which is that we kind of have become so afraid of illness that I think it's important to remember that it's not this terrible failure if your kids get sick. It's a natural thing that happens. And it's not something necessarily to be afraid of. It's something that is natural. It's like a building block for them in their health. And the goal is probably to just help them get over things more quickly, to help support their immunity so that they can get over things quickly, but not they'll never get sick because that's something that I feel like we've all kind of been conditioned to think. And like, it's not a bad thing for kids to get sick. It's a sign their body's doing what it's supposed to, like learning how to fight off different triggers. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Third Love. With so many bras out there, you either have to choose between style or comfort. You can't get both. But one thing we love about Third Love is that they are super comfortable. And because they were made for women by women, they also are beautiful. They have spent years of researching and designing the perfect bras that will fit you exactly where you are. Did you know that 50% of women are in between sizes. I had no idea about this, but Third Love invented half cup sizes. So they carry more than 60 sizes from A all the way to H. One thing that I've been loving is the tagless labels and the no slip straps. So you can wear this without feeling uncomfortable all day long. If you're brand new to Third Love, I definitely recommend going to their website and taking the fitting room quiz. It takes only 60 seconds, and this way you can save time and money on your search for the right bra. You never have to go to another awkward fitting room or get bras and then have to send them back. This is a comprehensive quiz that focuses on your size, it focuses on your shape, it focuses on any current fit issues that you have, and also the style of bras that you are looking for. A beautiful thing about Third Love is that they are the largest donor of undergarments in the United States. So far, they've donated over $40 million of bras to people in need, and we love partnering with organizations just like this one. So take a break from the bad bra cycle with Third Love and join more than 10 million happy boobs and counting. You can take the fitting room quiz and get 20% off your first order by going to thirdlove.com dot com slash herself. Again, that's 20% off when you shop now at thirdlove.com slash herself. Now back to our show. Mm, Yeah. And we've even found that it's just gotten a little bit easier as the kids have gotten older. Like both Amy and I can agree that it is just getting easier. You feel like you're in the thick of it. So people with really little babies right now, really little kids, we get it. We were there too. It can feel so hard. And sometimes, I mean, usually it does just get a little bit easier as they get older and older because of those sicknesses in part with the awesome equation that you laid out for us. And wouldn't it be nice to just have a crystal ball? Like I think about that with the different sicknesses that are coming down the line. If we knew when they were going to be coming, what kind of sickness, how long it was going to be. We could make these plans for it, but unfortunately we don't have a crystal ball. And I know there's a lot of stats out there. Doctors say a whole bunch of different numbers, but in your experience as a pediatrician, how many illnesses can we expect in a given cold or flu type of season? I think that's a really good question. So on average, what we find is that kids 
in their first year of childcare, whatever that group setting is, will probably get sick on average with colds or viral illnesses like stomach bugs eight-ish times a year. Okay. So that's almost every month, but I would remind people that like that also is an illness probably means about seven to 10 days of symptoms, right? So I think we sometimes think like, oh, colds are like two to three days and then you're better. That's like a full week. So it's a lot. It's not nothing. But I think sometimes knowing what to expect makes you feel like, oh gosh, I didn't do anything wrong. It's just kind of, this is what happens and this is the way it is. It's just difficult because I'm putting myself in all of these parents' shoes. And what we know is that a lot of the companies we work for, it's like we're still behind on giving people enough PTO and sick time and things like that. And it's instead of increasing as I had kids, obviously I would need more sick time. It decreased because I used it. It was like I had to build it up. So I just deeply understand the stress of parents and hearing those numbers. I do think it's important that we understand that that is normal. That is to be expected. You aren't doing something wrong. Someone else doesn't have a great trick, which we are going to talk about though, because whatever you tell me, I am going to do. Is there anything that we can do to be proactive? Because another thing that happens is I specifically remember Abby when my kids were in that sick stretch, I was like, wait, what is this essential oil you rub on your kids? Like, I will literally do anything. Elderberry, I'll get it from a tree myself. Tell me anything I can do to try to make this better. Is there anything we can do to help support our own kids' immunity? It's a great question. So I think that the best thing you can do really to support your kids' immunity is to work on really as much as you can, good nutrition within the realms of toddler norm and whatever kids get, but really focusing on sort of a variety of vitamins and nutrients, vitamin C, vitamin A, and zinc really help. Like not as supplements, but as part of your diet. So just kind of incorporating a little bit of a vitamin C, like a clementine every day, or you know, vitamin A, like different kinds of foods that have that or sweet potatoes or like zinc, like just different things that you can include in your child's diet every day. And then working on rest as much as you can, because sleep is when their body heals. And I say this, and I don't want to stress any parents out if your kids are more selective eaters, or if they're really going through a phase where they don't sleep as much. It's not like an absolute, but those are little things you can do every day when you're kind of picking their meals out for lunch or a snack out. If it's an orange rather than something else, that's just a little simple thing you can do that can help to support their immunity when they're in it. And I'd love to say there was a magic thing and you'll see a ton of stuff out there about like all the quick little easy things that you can buy for hundreds of dollars. But truthfully, The simplest things are really the things that help the most, which are nutrition and rest. Wait, so you don't give your kids any supplements like elderberry or anything? So I don't do any supplements. I give them, so my younger son, we do a vitamin just because he doesn't do a ton of meat. And so I want him to get some B12. Or if they've gone like a good two or three weeks, really without eating like a vegetable or fruit, I would think about a multivitamin for them, but I don't do anything extra for them. No, I really, and I'm really like, I'm really 
I don't want to say natural, but like I try to think of medicine as just a tool in the toolbox. And I include vitamins and supplements in that because those are all extra things, right? That you're not getting from just your healthful living. And so for me to give them things, number one means that I'd have to get them to take it, which is like half of the battle anyway. (laughs) And then number two would mean that we kind of become like a little dependent on that. And then I don't have to think about, well, isn't it easier if I just incorporate it into our diet day to day, or if I really work on getting us good sleep. So, you know, I think it makes life easier. Like there's already so much to think about. And I find it really kind of, it's hard when you see people who are like, oh, well, I give my kids 10 supplements a day and they do so great. And they still are getting sick too. Like, it's not that that prevents anything like you said before, it's just kind of getting through this supportive thing. Yeah, really going back to the basics. I can remember so yeah. distinctly when our oldest was a baby, two in the morning, going through Google, going through everything that could possibly help this kiddo get over the sickness faster. I mean, I don't even have any idea how many Amazon boxes came during the first cold and flu season that probably, I mean, didn't work, you know, just gimmicks that make you feel a little bit better for a short period of time. But going back to the basics, it's really that yeah. important. Yeah, that's right. We have a lot of kids in our communities that are congested right now. So what are some of your good tips that you have for babies, toddlers, even school-aged kids that are dealing with those symptoms? Yeah. So I would say there's probably five things you could do. So the first one is with any kind of congestion, it's really good to just get it out as much as you can. So for babies, I would use like a nasal saline spray and suction. So whether you like the old school nose Frida, or if you want an electric aspirator, getting it out will really help with comfort and also just kind of helps them heal more quickly. So I would do that a couple of times a day, just when they seem uncomfortable before feeds for babies, when they're older, if they just seem like it's uncomfortable for them. And then before bedtime, steam, 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 like the most steam that you can give your kids will help so much in loosening that congestion. So whether it's in like a steamy bathroom after everyone's taken a shower, you can just sit in there with them for five or 10 minutes, whether it's a humidifier or just like a little portable nebulizer, just to give them steam that will help to loosen up congestion. And then just some diet things that you can do. So like the reason the chicken soup is actually really good is because it has the thing called cysteine in it, which is an amino acid that helps to break up congestion. So that's why like we hear about chicken soup and colds and things It actually does work. So like chicken broth or bone broth or other things can really help like that. Honey for kids over one. So data actually shows that honey is just as effective, if not more effective in reducing coughs and nighttime cough and sleep disturbance than any over-the-counter cough or cold syrup that you'll find. So a teaspoon of honey works like magic. It can really help to soothe congestion and sore throats. And then something that we do in triage that we tell patients to do for babies who are like older than, you know, once they start solids, basically, is just little sips of warm apple juice, because that can help to kind of coat the throat and make it feel much better if you have a sore throat or post-nasal drip or anything like that. So those are my little tricks. That's like what I was doing last night with my kids. I was doing all those things in order (laughs) and then setting up their humid letters at night. Mm. We are out of the baby season, but I just remember that so distinctly. The idea that when your kid is old enough to blow their nose themselves, it's just so helpful because those little babes, they just can't move their mucus like the older kids can. So I know that that can be so difficult. 
One thing on Tuesdays when we have our community day that's been coming in is people are saying they're on week four or five of illness. You know, one kid was sick and then the next kid was sick. And it really can be this domino effect where the mom feels so burnt out. We all know like little kids, they just, it takes so much energy from the mom because they can be really needy. And, you know, if you're running to the doctor and you're running to Walgreens and you're doing all this stuff, it really can be draining. So we wanted to end with giving a little bit of encouragement from a pediatrician and a mom yourself. What would you tell someone that is on a bender of sickness? First of all, I completely sympathize because I've been where you are with my own kids. And I think that moms already are just so overburdened in life. And then to add on another thing and then to not know when it will end can feel so, so, so stressful and so depleting. But I would say that I've been where you are and also you're the best person for your kids in those moments. And they will benefit so much from your care, whether you feel like you're tired and you just can't even give another moment to them, they will benefit from that care when they don't feel well. And that it does get better. Like you were saying, Abby, like over the years, it gets better, but even over time, day to day and take moments for yourself whenever you can. They're just sitting and watching TV for a minute, take a breath too. Don't feel like you have to do a million things. I feel like it's this time where you feel like you need to do everything and take care of a sick baby, but it's a time to just say like, that's your priority. And maybe other things have to wait a little bit longer or won't get done perfectly, but to just give yourself like a little grace. Cause you're doing actually the hardest job. Like your baby's doing a hard job because they're trying to recover, but like you're doing the hardest job by taking care of them and that it will get better but it's hard. I sympathize. It's so hard for moms in general. I hate to ever be like, oh gosh, you're on like week five of illness. And I know it's probably that much harder for you now. And as three moms ourselves who have all been in it, we've all been in the last couple of weeks here. We just know exactly where our community is. And it's so true. Like those dishes, they definitely can wait. That's not the big deal. Set those priorities, figure out what needs to be done in those moments. And that includes your own self needs. Like what needs to be done for you? Because I think as moms, we put ourselves to the back burner in these situations because we're trying to take care of everything and everyone else. When if you're taking care of your own needs, that's the only way you're going to be able to show up in the ways that the rest of the family needs you. We have just loved talking with you. And this is just a small snippet of the information that you have. So where can they grab more information from you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram on Resilient Rascals and I have a ton of free resources for any single illness that you could ever have there. And then I also have a little health handbook that can walk you through it in much more detail, like exactly what to know about any illness that your child's going through, what to have at home, like how to do it, how to manage it, and then like when specifically to seek care. So I just want to make parenting a little bit easier. And I feel like for me, as a pediatrician, I know what to do for a sick baby in the middle of the night. And I just want every mom or parent to feel like they know also that they can feel empowered with the knowledge that they have or that they learn to take care of their kids and feel confident caring for their kids when they're sick. 
Yeah, I think you do such a wonderful job. I was just looking right before the interview started at just even how to like assess the baby's respirations. And it's like just that peace of mind. You can actually know how to do that and see maybe if your baby needs help. So if you guys liked this interview, we would love it if you went to Instagram and tagged us at Resilient Rascals and at Herself Podcast. 